Good evening, guys. Um, as you know, it's going to be a little different because we've never done anything like this before. This is going to be an interview style tonight where we're going to be joined by the Mizells and the Posies, and it's going to be a good time for us to learn from two families who've gone through a lot of different trials that uh, maybe some of us have gone through something similar, and if not, we might. And so I wanted to do this as your pastor who cares for you to help prepare you for what the Lord might allow to come into your life at some point. And so we're so honored to have both these couples, very thankful for both of them. I made that very clear to them many times, meeting with them in their living rooms uh, when I was asking them to come and just getting them ready for this evening, letting them know how honored we are. Let me read 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18 to us, and then I'll open up with prayer, and then we'll get started. This is what it says. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Will you pray with me? Father, I pray that this evening would be such a, such a good time where we can learn wisdom from your people. Lord, I'm so saddened in many ways by the things that have been shared with me, Lord, hearing the suffering, hearing the pain, hearing the heartache, but at the same time feeling very encouraged also because by the end of those talks I was hearing what helped these families through these trials. And so Father, I pray that we would feel both those things, Lord, the weight of the loss, the, the weight of the, the trials, but then also feel and see and know the hope that only comes through you, Lord. Give each individual up here on the stage now the strength, the courage, the words, the wisdom that he and she needs to do this well and to do it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, another reason why I asked each of these couples to join us is because, as they would also admit, they're just real, normal people. And sometimes when we see people up on stage or at some event that we put on this really high pedestal because of their great knowledge, their great wisdom, their just greatness, sometimes we hear them speaking to us and we think, yeah, but you're different. I'll never be like you anyway because look at the difference of you and me. And one thing that each one of these people has said to me in so many words is they're just normal people. And I said, and that's why I want you. That's why I want you. So, um, Mizells, will you tell us why I specifically chose you this evening? Tell us about Taylor. Is that on? It's on. It's on? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I know most everyone here, I mean, obviously knows that we lost our son, but... I just wanted to read this because I think this is important to um, understand a little bit more about him and who he was. 
um, to know why we are and kind of do what we do and, and how we were able to go on. So this is way out of my comfort zone. So <laughs> I'm very nervous. And then having speaking about something that's very close and personal, it just amplifies it. So bear with me. There will probably be tears. I'm just going to warn you. But um, so Taylor was our middle son. Um, we were just going right along every day, working, raising our kids, just living life. And um, then just out of a sudden, we were just hit with his diagnosis. But in July of 2001, at the age of 10 and a half, Taylor was diagnosed with UN sarcoma, which was an inoperable solid tumor located near his aorta, invading the left pulmonary artery. We had no idea about the journey we were about to begin. For the next four and a half years, our lives were like a roller coaster, some days up, some days down. We learned to live one day at a time and never take it for granted. The first year, Taylor endured 17 rounds of inpatient chemo and 37 rounds of radiation. He was cancer-free for 18 months, and then in May of 2004, a lung biopsy revealed that he had relapsed, and the life we once knew had been turned upside down again. So we started treatment again. In all, Taylor underwent 45 rounds of chemo, 44 rounds of radiation. He had three surgeries, two lung biopsies, and a total of 68 blood transfusions. And on February the 14th, 2006, surrounded by his family, the Lord called Taylor home. As hard as it was to let him go, we knew that he was healed. He was cancer-free. Our lives changed forever that day, and our family will never be the same. Life without Taylor is and has been a daily struggle. It's been 15 years but we go on by remembering how Taylor lived his life, never complaining, but living each day to the fullest. He never let cancer or chemo keep him down for long. He loved spending time with his family and friends, and he just wanted to be normal like everyone else. He had a passion for hunting, riding his four-wheeler, paintballing. He loved the outdoors, and he loved Alabama football. And he inspired so many with his positive attitude and determination. Throughout his illness, we were blessed with so many family and friends taking care of us, and we were able to focus all of our time, and I mean all of our time, on caring for Taylor. He always thought of others and never thought he deserved all he received. And even though he looks down on us from heaven now, he will always be our inspiration for helping others and touching lives forever. And you lost him when he was 15? 15. And it was 15 years ago? Valentine's Day was 15, 15 years, years ago. That he's, so we've, he's been gone as long as he was with us. Right, right. Thank you. We'll get to hear a lot more about Taylor and, and more about all that he had to go through as they keep sharing this evening. Now, Posies, um, there, <coughs> what I've noticed is uh, with the two different families here, the, some of the, the sufferings that they've gone through, you might call um, more focused dramatic punches, like really something extremely severe, um, where your sufferings have been more so. Now, you've also lost loved ones, even just six months ago, guy, you losing your mom, um, also to cancer. Um, but what I've noticed about your sufferings is they've been almost more prolonged, sort of a constant. I think since I've known you all, uh, Tina Marie, you've struggled with, it seems, something, unfortunately. Now, so will you share with them just a few of the reasons why I chose you all this evening to share? 
Well, just a few months after we married was the first time I ended up in the hospital with testing. And at that point, it was um, hypoglycemia and hiatus hernia and later endometriosis and those sort of things. But um, in light of things we've gone through since then, you know, those seem minimal. And yet God at that point showed me that I had a husband that was so supportive and stood by me. You know, here he is, a newlywed, and dealing with this kind of stuff. And it, it just went from bad to worse through the years. And so we're here just to share that life is real, life is hard, but we live in a world where there are problems. God told us there would be tribulations, but he is our steadfast sustainer. He carries us through. And Guy, um, not only did you lose uh, a mom just recently, six months ago, it was, and we didn't talk about this when I met with you, but tell us about your brother. Uh, do you, uh, so Guy is the oldest. My brother, Gary, was the younger of the two boys. Um, he passed away at 19 in an automobile accident. We hadn't even been married a year. Um, and it was really uh, shocking to me because I never lost anybody close to me. And Tina was trying to prepare me on the way to the hospital. Uh, my parents lived out of town. Uh, we were in Alabama. They were in Georgia. So they were able, the <clears throat> hospital was able to contact us. And so they didn't say anything over the phone about how critical he was. But Tina had the wisdom to say, Guy, prepare, be prepared. And sure enough, um, we were hit with the news that he had passed. And that was something that took me years to get over. I didn't realize it, you know, and you're living, you know, as guys, we kind of get lost in our work. Uh, we had Jeremy, uh, see, that was in 80. We had Jeremy two years later, and I still really hadn't gotten over it. Just hard to take those things and digest them. At that young age, I was uh, 20, and so that was a real big blow. However, I never uh, doubted my Lord in that moment. Um, I knew he was there. I knew he was going to see me through it, and I just took it one day at a time, even though it took time to get over so it did draw me closer to him. And I was fairly new. I've probably been an active Christian where I was really living and walking with him uh, for two years, uh, no three. Uh, that's when I met Tina and her daddy. Her daddy's a preacher. And I was just so hungry for the word. And he uh, was really cool. I just, you know, pick his brain after every Sunday because I'm going over to his house to eat. So uh, it just allowed me to grow closer to God through that whole process. Thank you. Um, Clint, I want to go to you now, if you don't mind. So you had your daughter. She was born first, and then Taylor was born. Um, when I was reading what you wrote, um, tell us, before your son was diagnosed with cancer, 
tell us what you know, life was, was like for you. Well, it, it was you know, pretty easy for us. Uh, we never really struggled for anything that we wanted. And um, we um, you know, just had that all-American life. Things was going good. Um, you know, and never really, like Mr. Posey said, guy said really not, never lost anybody close to us mm. and, uh, until he passed away. But it's, you know, and I, my, my walk with God, I was raised in church uh, from the time I was about five years old up to about 14 to 15 and uh, not getting into a lot of details. But as I got into my, my teenage years, I kind of stepped away, and uh, I was raised in the Church of Christ, and uh, they were real strict, as we mm-hmm. talked the other night. Mm-hmm. And, and when I was 14, um, I got baptized, and, and I, I never did want to walk down that hall when my mother called me and said, Brother Lambert and uh, Mr. Blackwell was here, and, but I did, and, and, and got baptized, and then life went on to me. And, uh, but uh, as me and Kim got married and, uh, and had our kids and Taylor, is you know we was working and and you know just living the American dream yeah. and and just never had any struggles really none in our whole lives and and then you know of course Taylor got sick and and passed away and that's when I guess life really began for me and uh, changed my life for the for the good. Now before we get to that moment, <clears throat> how did you get the initial news about Taylor's condition? Well, up to, up to uh, he was diagnosed, I mean, he started losing weight. <laughs> Sorry. Don't be, brother. <laughs> we were so busy with our normal life, working, and, and, uh, and he, we seen him every day. We didn't notice those subtle changes, him losing weight. We just thought he was going to be like his sister. She, she, she was almost 11 pounds when she was born, and then she, she got skinny. And, and, of course, Taylor was kind of the same way, and he was hefty, and, and then he started losing weight. And we just thought he was going to be like his sister. And, and uh, he started getting sick, and uh, other people would have seen him probably every two or three weeks started saying stuff that got us concerned. And, and we took him to the doctor, and... Went to uh, Children's and on July 26, 2001, when he was diagnosed. And at first, there was uh, some success because the treatments and the radiation had him cancer-free for mm-hmm. a while. Thank the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And then it was about what was it? About a year and some. 18 months. I think he was okay. uh, cancer-free. It was cancer-free, right? Yeah. Then it comes back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, in what you wrote, you mentioned that you were angry at God at times. Um, just talk about that for a second. What were your thoughts toward God? Like, well, I mean, I, I knew God, or He didn't live in my heart, but I, like I was raised in church and. Uh, and had to go to prayer meetings like I discussed with, uh, we talked about with my dad on Saturday nights and stuff. I knew that, but I, I grew away from him. And um, I 
Can you answer me that? Yeah, yeah, sure. No problem. You were angry at God. I angry at God for this happening to you. I was just, I was just frustrated. But and you know, how can this be? You know, it's my son. I didn't want to live, and I just struggled with it for about six weeks. And finally, that Sunday morning, I remember it was on the Sunday morning. I was laying on the couch after Taylor had passed. And uh, it was getting close to Easter, and, and I just told myself, I don't want to live like this. Mm. And uh, we went to church that Easter Sunday. Yes. And, and we'll actually talk about that in a second, because that's kind of a climax I want to okay. hold on to for a second, because that's a huge changing point in what you all went right. through, right? Yep. Now, and, and we'll come back to that. Tina Marie, now, um, since I've known you, You've, um, your health was pretty good when I first met you all, and then what I've noticed is it went down some, and then it went down more, and I thought, okay, she's going to start, and then it seemed to go down more, and it seemed to come up and go back down again, and come up and go back down again. You've been on the prayer chain, I think, more than most here. So you've had back problems You've had also um, eye problems, and then also COVID. And then, will you just talk to us about, I want you to talk to us about this, because ever since I've known you, you've struggled with these things, and you've shared with me how you go on day to day. Will you just tell us briefly, how do you get up out of bed every morning, knowing that this is going to be a painful day? Um, God just put that in me. Um, I went through hard times when I was younger. Uh, I ended up having a hysterectomy when Chris was only 16 months old. And uh, th that was, you know, that, th there were some valleys, really hard times for a woman to go through those kind of things. And then um, as I went through these, the first thing, I don't even know if I had told you, but the doctor um, was having a regular eye exam with me one day, and suddenly she comes, uh, gets out the door, finds her husband, comes back in there, and they begin praying for me in earnest. And I thought, what on earth? And they said, we see something in your eye. And so I immediately was sent to a retinologist at that point, and um, what it is, is there's a nevus, which is a freckle, right in the retina. And at that point, the doctor said, we will have to keep a regular checkup. So for about 25 years, I've been going to the Eye Foundation every year for that. And the very first time I went in, I was terrified. And as I sat there crying out to God, wondering, you know, is this cancer? Um, the Lord just spoke to me and just so, so sweetly. He said the scripture, I will have no fear of bad news. Um, I think it's, um, yeah, where is it? Okay, I knew I had it somewhere. They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. And that was from Psalm 112, verse 7. So, Every year, for several years, 
when I went in, I was always anxious mm. right before I went in. Mm. I didn't think about it all year long, and then suddenly I'd get the phone call, it's time to go in. Mm. And so year after year, I kept speaking that, and then I realized at one point, I didn't even worry about it anymore when I went in. I just anticipated him saying, things are looking good. Well, then I got in one time, and he said, it has changed in size and color. And so at that point, I went every six months, then I started going every four months, until it, they could tell it was stabilized. And at that point, then I got to go back to every year now. And so today, I have to go every year, but I hang on to what God promised me then. And I know he's not surprised. I know he, he's promised that he will sustain, that he never leaves me nor forsakes me. And I live and breathe, this guy says it, on the word. Not that I have as much hidden in my heart as I'd like, but maybe growing up in a preacher's home and being in GAs as a girl, I have learned a lot of scripture and I've learned to stand on it. I've learned to seek in his word to find the hope I need for that moment. Mm -hmm. And so for now, all these big things that are coming along, I'm, I guess you could say I haven't arrived and I do have days where I feel, you know, anxious, I guess, more than I would say fearful or, or down. Mm. Uh, I just want, I would like things fixed, but on those days when I kick and scream, <laughs> you know, I repent and I turn back to truth. I say, God, you are the, you are my healer. You are my provider, whatever it is I need. And so, um, I don't know if you want me to list the, the actual things that I'm struggling with right now or not, if you have that another moment. We probably will get to that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do want to, so what I'm hearing is how you get up every day is, number one, you're in the Word so much that you know from the Word that God's sovereign. He's yes. sovereign over the situation. No doubt about that. And you're holding on to certain promises that yes. He gave you. Yes. Now, um, she mentioned she kicks and screams about these things. I want to let you know that I believe that that's mostly internal because I've never heard them complain and they don't seem to complain much. I don't live with them, so I mean, I don't know, maybe Jeremy knows differently than I do, but, um, but I do know this, that they complain so little that when you ask them how they're doing and if things are not going well for them, Guy, what's the sort of phrase that you guys say? Walking in the strength of the Lord. Whenever, whenever, whenever... They're actually struggling, and you say, how are you doing? And they say, we're walking in the strength, strength of the Lord. That means we're not doing very good right now. <laughs> but what's great is they actually really do that. They, they actually really, truly don't complain. They actually really, truly say, we're going to say this phrase. We're going to make ourselves say this phrase. Um, also, I heard a, a story that there were times where maybe going on a family trip or in the vehicle or something, when some complaining did start to happen in the vehicle or among the people, perhaps, Guy would usually make them all, what was it, recall something or say something? What was it? Um, this might have been after I left uh, when you two talked, but what I've been known to do is, okay, everybody list five things yeah. that the Lord has done for you that you're thankful for. Yeah. So, and he really does that. Um, from what I hear, it's like, oh yeah, dad's making us list these five things now. Um, 
to focus on, again, to focus on the Lord. So what I wanted to bring that up is to say that how are they doing it? How are they getting through this? Um, focusing on the Lord, finding something to be thankful for instead of complaining, saying that we're going to say, we're going to make ourselves say this phrase and we're going to be in the word a lot and then holding on to what it, what it says. One other thing, uh, you'll see prayer requests from the posies. And human nature tends to like, okay, that doesn't, we don't need to share that. You know, we just had the, our name on the prayer chain last week or this week. We don't need to do this too. But the way I've always looked at it is um, we share and we're transparent because there's power in prayer. And I know that when we share, our brothers and sisters in Christ are praying for us. And so when I'm praying for Tina, unless the Lord tells me different, I guess a good example would be her back. It's like, okay, we need to get surgery now because you have been healed. And I would say this has been going on a good 10 years, if not 15. So um, the Lord uses doctors. I'd love to see a healing. And so when I ask for a prayer request, I would like to see a healing. And so I just, I'm not going to name it, claim it, but I'm going to, until the Lord tells me different, that's what I'm going to pray for. Now, when it comes through being in the midst of suffering, um, Kim, would you talk to us about um, Taylor, to me, sounded like a pretty amazing young man. Um, you've heard the saying, uh, he, was, he was born older. Like, you've heard that phrase, right? Um, he sounds like, to me, he had just wisdom beyond his years that the Lord gave him. Uh, share with us some of the, just some of the attitudes that he had and maybe even some of the things he said that you recall in the midst of some great suffering. Yeah, he, he was wise beyond his years, and he always, he always just had a positive attitude. I mean, he never, during all of this, he never um, questioned why, why me. He mm. never asked that. He just wanted to be normal. He just wanted to be with his friends and live normal life. You know, we would get up, um, well, the first go-around was always inpatient, but the second go-around was outpatient. And so we would get up early enough to be first in line there, get his chemo. He wanted to go to school. I went on to work, and we just was trying to live normal life. Um, there was a couple of times, and I look back now, and I'm just, I learned so much from him. You know, as hard as it was, um, to only have him for 15 years, I just thank God because he has made me more of the person that I am in seeing how giving and loving and um, how he was toward, you know, everybody. So um, I always feel like, you know, it's really hard going on after that, uh, him, but it was like the mornings I didn't, it was just like, you know, he would always get up, and I'm like, I can't lay here. You know, I just want to pull the covers over my head and not exist, but I always thought how he lived his life, how he got up, and he had been so sick the day before, but he would still get up and want to go or go, you know, do something with us or his friends. Or, um, But there was a couple of times um, during treatment um, that he told me. Um, this was the second go-around. It's getting closer toward the end, um, and we were facing a stem cell transplant where they were going to harvest his own cells, do high doses, just like a bone marrow biopsy. And um, so we were getting ready to, for that consult. Um, and um, 
of course, you know, a lot of nerves, a lot of new things coming our way. We had no idea, but um, before we walked out of the room, he had asked our nurse practitioner, there was a little five-year-old that had been in clinic the whole time we were in there, and we'd not seen him the last three or four times, and he was real concerned about him. And so he asked the nurse practitioner, you know, I haven't seen him, do you know what's going on with him? Mm. And um, she looked at me, and I knew by, you know, just her us making eye contact that he was no longer with us. And she said, I'll have to find out and let you know. And so we went on, had our consult, and came back in. He was, went in first the room, before, and so before I walked in, she grabbed my shoulder and said, hey, you know, he's not with us anymore. And so I walked on in the room, and of course, Taylor being Taylor, he didn't miss anything. I mean, you know, he just, he, he was in the know of everything. And so he said, what did she say? And I said, well, um, Fred Evans no longer with us. He's in heaven. And so he, he thought about that for a minute, and he said, I wonder if they had any other children. And I said, I don't, I don't know. They were a young couple. I'd never seen anybody with them, so I'm not sure if they had kids or not. And he said, I think it would be easier for them if they did because they won't want to go on if that was their only child. But if they, maybe they've got other kids because then they would have to go on. They'd have a reason to go on. And I just looked at him, and tears come to my eyes, and I just, you know, and, I mean, he would say so many things like that, that just, you know, from 10 and a half, 11, 12-year-old that you think, you know, where does he get that from, you know? Um, but he just, uh, he just had that way about him, you know? He just, everybody loved him, and he was constantly, like I said, in the know. He had to know everything that was going on. He had to know every medicine, what it how it interacted with the other medicine, what it was going to do, what he was going to, you know, and they called him Dr. Mizell because he went in and he told them, I'm coming in today, I'm going to do my chemo, I know I'm going to need blood tomorrow, you go ahead and type and screen it today, we'll come back in the morning because otherwise we were looking at a very long day at the hospital and he didn't want to stay that long. He no. wanted to get back, go to school, school. we come yeah. back tomorrow, we'll get blood for six hours, seven hours, however long it took, yeah. Mm. And he had a total of 68 blood transfusions? Yeah. The first year, he, had, he didn't have any. So for the first year and then the 18 months, he had no blood. But the second go-around, it really started to take effect on him. Yeah. And then, of course, in the end, in his last days, we were going like every other day and then daily. Mm. Because it was really, he was, he was just going through blood right. a lot. Yeah. It's so interesting how our children can can teach us a lot too, right? Yeah. <laughs> Especially someone as, as special as him, right? Now, um, Clint, he taught you also something, especially there at the very end, about praise. You were reading a book to him full of, um, it was different promises, I think, about God's healing power and lots of verses. Lot, yeah, lots of scriptures. You were reading that to him there in the bed, and then you left the room for a moment, Tell us about what you saw when you came back in the room. After I got finished reading the book, it wasn't that it probably wasn't that thick. Uh, it usually took me about 30 minutes uh, to read it, and I don't know how many scriptures were in it. But um, after I got finished, uh, I went to the kitchen. This was probably a week before he passed. And, um, got me a drink. Went back in. Um, 
the bedroom, and Kim was in the bathroom getting ready, and uh, he was laying in the bed. Now, Taylor had been on morphine for a couple of weeks, and uh, had the morphine pump right there to keep him because he was in so much pain, and had his hand raised up to the ceiling. And he was praying. And I asked him, I said, what are you doing? He said, Daddy, I see two angels. Now, I don't know if the morphine was making him hallucinate. I have no idea. It, it, I know it didn't make him raise his hand. Right. And this was, he was all by himself. And uh, he had some health issues, and he, he couldn't go to the bathroom when he wanted to and, uh, because of the morphine. And uh, without getting into a lot of details, he said it makes him feel better. And uh, that scripture thing read to him. Yes, yeah. and uh, and I never did get to talk to him about exactly what he's saying or go into details. But but I'll never forget that. It's probably one of the the most memories I have of is that that Sunday morning while it's laying in bed. And he passed away. How soon after that? Uh, the next Sunday we went to uh, Children's, and he passed away that Tuesday morning. Okay. So about a week and a half, so almost a week and after half, that. And yeah, yep. he was in lots of pain, and we was going, like Kim said, going to the hospital at the end daily, and uh, getting blood. And then your life, after he passed, it was just a few months, or maybe yeah, about a few months after that. Yeah, it's probably something, about two months. Yeah. Something changed dramatically for you. Tell us what. what well, was. we went to church, and you know, like I was, we just moping around. I didn't want to do anything, and I, I didn't want to be like that. So we went to church on that Easter Sunday, and the pastor gave the invitation. And uh, like I said, I grew up in church. I've been baptized, and uh, that's pretty much it. It didn't change me. Right. I went on about my life. And uh, when Brother Word, Bruce Word, gave that invitation that Sunday morning, I had no idea I was going to walk up to the front. And uh, I just walked up, Kim walked up with me. That's when I gave my heart to the Lord. And uh, things changed. That's been 15 years now. And uh, I'm not where I want to be, but I'm still growing. And uh, I believe with all my heart in the Lord. And he's got, got us here 15 years later. And, and it's a daily daily battle some days. I mean, I think about him every day. Sure. And, uh, and I'm not at the point where I need any counseling or nothing because the Lord is my counselor. And, right. And uh, and I pray to him, and and I just think about Taylor every day. But it's, the Lord's always with me, and uh, and uh, like I said, it's it's almost like a post-traumatic PST, PS, PTSD, PTSD, mm-hmm. and um, you know, I just you know I have these lots of memories, some a lot of great memories, good memories, you know. But those last couple of months, you know had an effect on me and Kim. Mm-hmm. Sure. And it was rough on him. Sure. But we're here. And I'm glad you are. <laughs> really glad you are. Now, when it comes to men handling suffering different from women, we're going to get back to that in a second. But 
I also want to talk about, um, because you mentioned PTSD, it's very traumatic and caused you to struggle severely. Um, Guy, I want to talk to you because there's been a lot of times that you were the only one in the family sometimes not having any type of crisis, be it big or small, and you were sometimes the only one who was sort of the rock making the normal daily life of the family <laughs> work right. Now, granted, you did. Um, like I mentioned, your mom passed away, then you were in the hospital too uh, about a year ago, I believe, and then kidney stone, uh, even more recent than that. So you've had your share of things too. But there's been, but a lot of the time, you were the one that really had to sort of keep things going in the home. Talk to us about how you do that, number one, and then also how you deal with those stresses that come along with kind of having to shoulder most of the load. Well, I've got a deep faith in the Lord. So when I would have one of the events you were talking about was that I had a TIA, a mini stroke. Um, that was probably the most recent. And then I had some kidney issues, which is just unbearable. Wish you was, let me go work or let me go outside. And you just can't do nothing. Just wither in pain. Everybody <laughs> can probably relate to that, hopefully. Just some of you, not everybody. But anyways, <clears throat> what I've always done is uh, if I'm in a moment like that and it's all on me, so to speak, I just trust in the Lord. I'm not dwelling on why this is happening to me. It's like, Lord, show me how to grow closer to you. Um, I'll pray for healing. Um, the TIA was uh, a really funky moment, and I ended up in the hospital for like three nights, and they released me. Um, doctor just, you know, watched and monitored my heart, and... Um, doing well, not having to take any medicines or anything more than I have been. Uh, being a diabetic, I, t I stay on medicine, but <clears throat> got a great <clears throat> cardio doctor. So when I'd see things happen to either my wife, my parents, what was going on there, you know, when my mama passed, we took in my dad. Uh, the game plan was to get them set up in an assisted living here locally. I had gone up in September to get them, bring them back. It was really hard on my dad because, you know, mama seemed to be well, doing well. She got up, functioned, but, you know, she was very sick, and he didn't realize it. And uh, so it was a stressful time for him. And, you know, I had some added pressures, you know. Um, he's got dementia, um, short term, and, you know, mama said he's not gotten better. He's gotten worse. And, you know, I realized what had happened during all that when I had him at the house, how challenging it was. So the blessing in all that, you know, I just like, hey, I'll cross this bridge when I get there, you know, because you know, I got my daddy now, my mama's passed, you know, we'll just take this one day at a time. That's how I do things. I don't dwell on it. Silver lining is I've got to know my dad so much better. Um, he relied on my mom. Uh, so much so that he didn't use his hearing aids a lot. He'd just expect her to fill in the gap, and a lot of times it's multiple times. But since she's not here, he's gotten his hearing aids updated. He's wanting to be engaged. And in our family, we're always going somewhere. 
So he's more active. He stayed at home mostly, didn't want to go anywhere at home. So there's been positive things out of all that. Yes, it's been a challenge for me, for my wife, my dad even. But, you know, I tell my dad, hey, we're a family. That's what families do. Um, and I just rest in my Lord in those moments. Some of you all probably um, can relate to what we've gone through, caring for an elder parent. Um, each experience is different. I think that we've really got a good situation. Dad's high functioning and very laid back. And I just thank the Lord for my dad. He's been a blessing through and to us. And so that's what I look at. You know, what is this in here for us, for me to take from away from this Lord? And it's all about how to be a better child of God. How can I be a witness? How can I encourage? So on and so forth. And so that's what I really look for in those times. Encouraging those, my family members, lifting them up, praying for them. Uh, sometimes you really can't do anything, you know. We, we've had moments to where if Tina said it to me or her, I, her, hey, let's just pray. I don't want to pray right now. Thank you very much. You know, <laughs> we have those moments. But we end up, yeah, let's pray. Um, and so that's, that's what I do. I just rest in him, trust in him. Is it easy? No. We just take it one day at a time. And there's been a lot of those days that you have to take one day at a time because, Tina, you were going to share with us some of the things that you've had to go through. Do you, do you care sharing those with us? Okay. Um, I've, I went to the emergency room numerous times when we were in Birmingham because of heart issue, and it, it was never found out. Well, we end up moving to Gadsden, and Guy says, I really want you to meet this heart doctor that I'm going to in Gadsden. And I mean, I'd only been wearing a heart monitor probably a week, and I don't even know if it would have been quite a week, and their office called and said, hey, you need to come in. And they found something, and I have AFib, and it explained why I was always having these episodes that everybody, you know, couldn't find, and I always felt like, you know, what is wrong with me? Everybody says I'm fine, but yet, you know, it was finally found. So um, the AFib, I just recently had an ablation, and by God's grace, I'm doing well with that, and they said that I could come off several of my medications, and I was real happy about that. Um, in the meantime, I began noticing that I was forgetting things a lot, and I eventually was tested, and they said that I have mild cognitive impairment. That has been the big one for me, I think, um, at that point. I, so I forget I have it until all of a sudden I forget something. <laughs> and at that point, it's like, wham, it's real. It hadn't gone away. And I have to give it to God. I get mad first. I, I just get frustrated because it seems like such a simple thing, and I, yet it just won't come to me, or I just was doing this. Mm. You know, something simple like a recipe. I read it. I go to get the ingredients, and I come back, and it's like, you know, I'm just trying to figure it out. Where am I? You know, did I already put that in before I <laughs> turned around? So anyway, that's, that's one of the big ones that I, I have to deal with that is the most challenging because I, have, I think, am I going to get better or am I going to gradually, you know, just see this keep moving forward? Because I'm not that old, you know, and it's like, 
this is already happening here, God, and I know you're in control, but I would really love it if you would give me my thought processing back. And I've, I've hoped that it mainly it's because of all the stresses that we're on all the time that maybe that has, you know, played a big part in it, but I'm hoping it's not long-term. Uh, then the sciatica is, is coming from spinal stenosis. I've got quite a bit of issues going on in my spine. Um, and then after that, I was um, having the issues with my eyes, and I, I was having to take all the epidurals because of the um, sciatica. And when I went back to my eye doctor this year, he said, wow, I've never seen anybody your age with such terrible cataracts. And he said, have you been on a lot of steroids? And I go, well, yes, I have. I've had quite a bit in me lately because I'm in such pain. And he said, it has really done damage to mm. your eyes. And so then I had to have the cataract surgery. Uh, at that point, I already knew that I had been diagnosed with an eye disease, but I didn't know at that point that the cataract surgery was actually damaging more cells in the eye. It just can't be helped when they're having to replace the lens. And so now, when I went back to him, I was saying, I'm seeing worse, I'm not getting better. I was hopeful with new lenses, I was gonna start seeing better. Light hurts my eyes and driving distance was hurting my eyes. And he said, well, remember, you have Fuchs dystrophy. And that means that the cells in my cornea are dying. He, and that day, this was hard. He said, it's a slow disease, but the cells will continue to die and eventually you will go blind. And um, the hope is you can have a cornea transplant. So right now, I daily give that to God. I've gotten past the worrying every time I'm driving, just dealing with how difficult it is to look at signs. I can read and see everything. It's just that it aches my eyes. The muscles are straining when I'm seeing things, you know. And so that's a big one um, that has come along now because if I end up having to have the transplant, I will have to take medicine, you know, to keep my body from rejecting um, the cells from the cadaver. And so anyway, that was the really big news that I didn't see coming. It really surprised me. And um, then I suddenly started having problems with my um, breathing again. And part of it may, may be from having the COVID. Liana and I both have asthma now because of the COVID. Um, but I, I started having some sharp pain. And because I had had the... Um, ablation, the doctors have just been on me, on me, get to the hospital. If you're having chest pain, if you're having pressure, you've got to be checked out. And so I finally did go this past week, and um, I was in the hospital for two days. And thankfully, my heart checked out okay. Um, and I, but I was just so exhausted from everything. I, I said, can I go home and do the outpatient surgery? Well... I didn't realize that there was other things they were wanting to test. And so the doctor called me the next day and she said, you know, when we did the CT scan, your heart looks great and there's no blood clots. She said, however, we found a cyst, a 2.9 by 2.8 in, in your back. And so right now <laughs> I've got to go to a thoracic surgeon and they will determine 
whether it's just, you know, can be left alone to watch and see if it grows, or whether it's already at a point where they would, <clears throat> excuse me, want to do a biopsy. I don't know anything yet. This is very recent. You just found this out it last week. It just happened, yes. Mm -hmm. And so, by God's grace, I, I, I go to sleep at night. I don't think about this list. I don't worry about it. I just say, God, you're on the throne. You're not surprised. You are aware of everything that concerns me. You never leave me nor forsake me. And you're going to walk us through this. Um, it, yeah, it's bizarre how many, <laughs> how many things have happened. But each time, I, I just have to say that um, I'm human. And I, I, had, I went home and cried like over my eyes. And once I got my tears out, I moved forward, and I haven't dwelled on it. I haven't been fearful of what's going to happen now, and I'm grateful for that. And right now, Guy and I are both at peace. You know, perhaps this is just a cyst that won't ever bother me. And um, but whatever, God's in control. Amen. And He's going to carry us through that, and just like <laughs> all these other things, He walks us through. You know, it's it's just only God. Mm -hmm. And that's what I keep hearing from both couples when I would sit with them and their homes and talk to them about this. Is one thing I kept hearing them say, and I loved hearing it, was they trust God with it. That's what I kept hearing come up, is we trust God with this. And so there's big truths that you have to hold on to, big scriptural truths that get you through. But then there's also just those practical things of just getting a good cry out sometimes. I know, I know with... Me, having gone through some things, and even sometimes just some stresses that build and build and build, especially when I was in seminary and had some things happen, sometimes I just needed to just get a good cry out, and then I could function again. Um, but So thank you for sharing all that with us, and please be in prayer for that most recent thing that they found out about that spot between her back and her lung. We need to be in prayer about that. Now, Kim, I want to ask you this, because you um, said to me, well, Number one, there's a reason why we're doing this conference is because we, we like to look away from suffering. We, we like to kind of ignore suffering because that's just more comfortable. But we need to look at it and, and talk about it because that's how you, number one, prepare for it, but that's how, number two, you heal from it. So, Kim, one thing you shared with me is people really don't know how to talk to you once they learn that you had a child that passed away from cancer. So this is my question. When people hear that you've lost a child to cancer, how do you want them to react? What would be the... How, how do you want them to talk to you about it? Well, I know it's hard because you don't... Even before this happened to us, when something would happen, you just don't know how to... People don't know how to approach others. You know, they, they don't want to upset you. They don't want to say something that upsets you. They don't want to... Um, talk about your loved one that's passed, but I wanted to talk about it. Mm. I mean, I wanted to, although sometimes it was hard and it was upsetting, but I didn't want to forget Taylor. I didn't want people to forget Taylor. You know, I wanted um, to talk about it. And so um, I think just, and even sometimes not even just talking, just being, just being there, you know, whether you, you don't have to say anything, mm -hmm. you know, just having people be there for you. And mm -hmm. we were so blessed with family and friends that were always there and took care of us. And like I said, I got to spend every single time 
that Taylor went to the hospital or anything, I stayed with him the whole entire time. And that didn't happen for a lot of people, you know. We had great employers and, um, but yeah, just, um, you know, just being there and, 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 and you may upset someone, but just, you know, you, I mean, it's hard for me to exactly set to tell you, but, you know, you just let them know that you're there for them, that you love them, and that you, you know, and just ask them, you know, do you feel like talking about it today? Or do you feel like talking about her, you know? Um, and just see what they say. And, and uh, you know, there may be times when I didn't want to talk about it. And I would just say, if someone, like you said, they always say, how are you doing? We're good. I'm good. You know, and that was probably not the truth sure. a lot of times. But it was easier to say that than to actually say how I was feeling because mm -hmm. you try to, you know, push that to the back and you try not to, to dwell on that. Mm -hmm. But um, just, you know, just treat them like you always did. Okay. It's, you know, even though they've had a... A loss, I think, just you know, just still treat them like, like you always did. Mm -hmm. Now, when it comes to pushing things to the back, like mm -hmm. you said, I want to talk to Clint about that because that's one thing that Clint you shared with me when it came to you dealing with the trauma of losing your son. Uh, you just and and men, we do this. We tend to just want to, not always, but we tend to want to just bottle up our feelings, and not talk about them. Women and men handle stress and suffering differently. And Clint, you did that. You, you, you held a lot of that in. But then something happened because you held it all in. Um, can you share with them about the, about the panic and the breakdown? Yeah, that was, uh, I think it was in 2008. Um, it's been probably two, two years after, two and a half years after you passed. I started ha having these anxiety attacks, and I, I was healthy. Um, they even gave me a, a, a what did the doctor do? Heart cath. Heart cath, because mm -hmm. they just want to make sure everything was good. And uh, they said my heart and veins was real good. He said he wished he had mine. He said it's so good. But um, I don't know what, it's just I bottled everything up for two years, two and a half years. Uh, I, I never would talk to Kim about it, even when Taylor was having all his... Uh, uh, test run and she had to go to Birmingham and uh, have all these tests whether it be good or bad I didn't want to hear it and you know when things were silent at the house I knew something was wrong and I kind of just kind of sh shut it down mm -hmm. and uh, I di didn't want to hear it and then Kim of course wanted to talk about it and, and I, I didn't I wouldn't have it but I bottled this up for two and a half years and I, I, I just wake up in the middle of the night and I'll be sweating shaking and having a nervous, felt like I was having a nervous breakdown, and that's what led me going to the doctor, and they couldn't find anything wrong with me, but it was just bottling it up, and it's almost like having a nervous breakdown at the time, and, mm -hmm. and finally, you know, things got better, and I got on my hands and knees, and I prayed, and walked upstairs. I had my man cave upstairs, and I, and I had the Bible in my hand. I don't know what I was praying, but I prayed for uh, an hour just walking in circles. I was there by myself. Kim was gone, and, and it just... You know, I just felt like some stuff was off my shoulder. It wasn't as heavy, and, and uh, you know, I had lost 20-something pounds, and I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I, I, I thought I was going to have to go to the crazy house, but that day things got better, and, and I can deal with it, and I had to turn it over to him. And, you know, I still struggle, and I pray, but I pray all the time. Yeah. And that is something that we tend to do. Now, women tend to handle their feelings by talking about it, and that's one thing, men, that we need to learn about 
our wives or future wives is they need to talk to process their feelings. We think she's talking to me because she wants me to give her the answers to the problems that she's sharing with me. What I've learned is she's not looking for you to really say anything or fix anything. She just needs to talk these things out and process them. And so, men, let's, let's learn that. Um, she wanted to talk just because that's how she processed her pain and suffering. We see that as a burden because we're thinking, you're talking to me. Now, this requires me to now think through how to fix your problems that you're sharing with me, and I don't know how to fix your problems. Where, really, she and my wife, and I'm slow. The reason why I know all this is because I've, I've failed at it a lot of times, okay, um, is just talking helps. Um, now, Clint, if you could go back with the wisdom that you now have. I'm sure, though, you still struggle because it's a tendency in all men. I'm sure you still struggle to bottle feelings up. Um, what advice, if you could go back now, what advice would you give your 2006 self? To open up and, and talk about it. And, and, you know, I was trying to do everything on my own and, uh, you know, and, and try to do it my way and, you know, it, it wasn't the right way. Right. And if I'd probably talked to Kim from the onset in 2002 or three, when it when it all started, or 2001, you know, and just just talk it out, but I never would. And uh, she kind of resented because I wouldn't, because sure. I didn't want to hear it. I, I hated bad news. Give me yeah. some good news. If it was bad, I didn't want to hear it, and that yeah. wasn't the right way. I was the the father, and, and it just I just I just struggled with it, and you right. know, my blood pressure spiked, and and that's just that was just me. Right, but I think you know, God, God forbid that happen to anybody in here or anybody. You know, if if I did go back, I'd probably talk talk more about it and be more involved. Yeah. Now, uh, you didn't want to hear bad news, and you still don't like getting bad news. No. But unfortunately, about a year and a half ago, you did get some more bad news. What was that bad news? Kim's condition, right? Kim's. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've had so much happen in the sure. last two or three years. Oh, but, yeah, uh, I know, brother. Uh, it was on... No, this is my third time doing this, and I cry every time, and I don't reckon it gets any better. But and that's okay. This is something new uh, <laughs> since last time we... I got up in front, front of people and talked, but uh, I'll never forget it. I was out back, and... Um, She'd been hurting for prior about six months in her hip and her back, just constantly complaining about it. And finally, well, I took her to the doctor in Birmingham, and they run some tests. And uh, she got the uh, news, I think it was Veterans Day, November 11th, I'll never forget it. Uh, I was out back, and it was dark already. It was uh, getting close to winter, and, and I was uh, cooking on the grill, and she walked by silent, didn't say anything. knew something was wrong. You know, like I said, I don't want to hear nothing bad. You know, went in the kitchen. And she walked by and looked at me. And we both started crying. Because you knew. I knew. And uh, I was devastated. And it was like deja vu. And uh, you know, luckily... She's doing fine now, but uh, 
worry about her every day. Sure. You know, pray for her every day. Think about her, just like I did Taylor. You know, I don't want to be alone. I'm 55, and, and you know, hopefully the good Lord will give her 25, 30 <laughs> 80, 30 years, I won't put no dime line on it, but, you know. <laughs> a lot more. And, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's tough. Cancer's been rough to our family. Sure. And I haven't shared this. I, th I think I told Mark and Brandy a couple of weeks ago, uh, 2018, I lost my little brother to cancer, to leukemia. He was 30, 34 at the time. Oh, gosh. I didn't know that. And, um, but uh, he was my half-brother. Uh, but I basically helped raise him. I was a senior when he was born, so I had to change his diapers and stuff. But his, his, he didn't last nine months, and then this happened to Kim. And, and you know, I don't, I don't know what God's trying to tell me or something, but I haven't lost faith by no means. And my faith is as strong as it's ever been. And, um, and it's just life, yeah. I guess. It's, I have to, have to deal with it, and, and how I react means a lot. You know, people at work that I work with and here at the church and our families and stuff. and. And she knows I'll be there all the way to the end. Right. I'll never leave her. Kim, what was the cancer that you were just diagnosed with recently, a year and a half ago-ish? Um, it's um, metastatic lung cancer. Um, so it has spread to the femur in my leg, which is where the pain started from. I was thinking it was in my back, maybe a disc or something. But it was actually from my leg in like Clint said, I'd had a myelogram, and um, they called me to give me my results, and they were like, well, everything looks good on the myelogram for your back, except for you've got something on your, lung, on your lung that you need to get checked out. And that was a complete shock, because I'd not had any problems, no shortness of breath, no cough, no anything to give me. And I almost canceled that appointment, because um, it was during a time where everybody's schedule was crazy, and I didn't want anybody to have to take off of work or be put out to, to go with me because I had to have somebody with me. And I was just so close to canceling mm. that appointment. And I just decided, no, I need to go ahead and get this done, find out what's going on. And um, I just thank God that he, that I did and that he, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. because it could have been a lot worse had it continued going, right. you know. But um, I'm still in treatment. Um, Everything's gotten a lot smaller, um, so it's not completely gone, but it's a lot smaller than what it was. And so, um, you know, I just take each day and um, learned a lot, you know, with Taylor. Um, and I just held on to several scriptures that, you know, has gotten me through with him that, you know, um, I know God has a plan for us. Um, I don't understand it. I don't have to. Um, I know his is good and perfect. So if it's his will that I have this, then that's that's what I'll do. And I just, just have a different thought process this time. Um, you know, your life flashes before your eyes when you were told something like that. And even though it did with Taylor as well, it's still different um, because even though I was with him, I wasn't actually going through this. Um, Although nothing that I've been through so far will ever compare to what he went through. Um, his was a lot rougher than what I have. I don't know what my future holds, so it could get a lot rougher for me. 
but I'm just believing that the Lord is going to um, cure this. And, um, yeah, I just hold on to the scripture knowing that, you know, his plan is perfect. And this is his plan. Amen. Yep. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned holding on to certain verses because mm -hmm. my next question for all of you was going to be, has there been a certain verse that the Lord has kept leading you back to through your trials? you think of one that yeah, Kim, that one Kim was will the start one, with you? The one I was talking about was, was Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Yeah. And um, that's what I hold on to because, like I said, I know his plan is perfect. Um, and it does give me um, hope. Um, there's several more, but that's the main one. That's, right. that's, that's the main one because, you know, um, even though with Taylor's diagnosis, you think, you know, hard stuff and trials are going to, you think you're not going to go through it again, mm -hmm. but you don't know, yeah. you know. And just because you've gone through one hardship like that doesn't yeah. mean that you're not going to go through it again. Sure. And there may be something else down the road that we go through. There has been several other things. Um, but um, I'm good with it this time. I have more peace about it. You know, um, I know God gives me the grace each day that I need to get up and, and to go on. Um, and um, I have to be strong for my family, you know, um, my kids and grandkids and Clint. And so um, I just draw my strength from him. And... Um, in his word. In his word. Absolutely. That's how he speaks to us. Yeah. Clint, you, I, I read the one that you tend to gravitate towards. Will you share that one with us? Yes. Uh, I got my paper out. I should memorize it, but I don't want to mess it up. I've been nervous for about an hour and a half now. So. <laughs> the first thing I told him, I said, I need to tell you guys one last thing. I said, relax. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's Romans eight twenty eight, which was... Uh, Part of my testimony is that, and we know all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And I'll stick to it. I love that one too. That's really powerful. Of course, all of God's words are. Uh, Guy and Tina Marie, what's the verse that you keep going to? There's two I use a lot. Um, the Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. I, that's from Psalm 29:11 because you know I I need strength every day, and I need peace to look to Him and not all this stuff that's going on. And I I can't remember maybe a year and a half or so ago when one of these things came up. I'm sure um, I was trying to figure things out. I, I was trying to you know lean on my own understanding, and uh, God reminded me of the um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. <clears throat> and I learned that when I was a little girl. Mother kept it on the refrigerator. And I never dreamed how many times I would think on that. And when the boys were growing up, I, I wrote a little tune to it and they memorized it and sang it and then when Liana came along we taught her and then the grandchildren all of us sing trust in the Lord with all your heart and you know God this 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 part's kind of humbling and I'm so grateful but God speaks to me 
so many times in the scripture through song. He just suddenly, I just start writing after I've read a passage and I'm writing the scripture down with the tune. He puts the tune in there as I'm writing the words. And so he just always is ministering to my spirit and teaching me the word. And that's what I cling to. Uh, that's what I uh, hold on to. And I just am so grateful that the word is powerful. And, you know, sometimes it's feeding me. Sometimes it's comforting me. Sometimes it's strengthening me. I mean, the word is so real and alive. And for every one of us, and he's just waiting on us to be still. And so one of the biggest things that I've learned through all of this sickness and everything, it's caused me to be still in his presence. It's caused me to have to stop what I'm doing, um, especially with the back issues. I, days when I couldn't, I hurt too badly to be putting any weight on the floor. And I had to be flat on my back. And, you know, I have the Lord in me with me just waiting for me to talk, waiting to hear from me. He wants to know when, when I'm frustrated. He wants to know when I'm concerned. He wants to know when I'm happy. And, and so that personal relationship um, was distant when I was young because I had gone through some um, abuse, molesting mm. when I was young. And so it's like, Growing up in a Christian home, I knew the truth, and we practiced the truth. But a part of me closed the door to trust. And it's been a long, long time of learning. And I'd like to say that the last few years, through all of these things, I've really come to a deeper understanding that he is in control. He is sovereign. He was with me during the abuse as much as he is today as an adult. And I learned to give him that pain and see him there with me and let him comfort me. Because otherwise, I was in legalism, which I, I don't know if you're going to discuss, you know, um, any other issues about our family. But um, Jeremy was willing for me to share a little bit about that. Um, so I became legalistic. I was trying to do everything by the book, mm. you know, mm -hmm. but I didn't have grace for my family and, or for myself. I was so wanting to do it right. And yet I didn't feel worthy, you know, of his love. And, and I dwelt on the negatives in life and everything. And so I rejoice for everything I've had to go through, even though it's hard. Because where would I be if I hadn't learned what I've learned so far? Uh, I, would, I would be that prideful, you know, I might already be gone from this earth. Mm. <clears throat> Just, I, I told people at, that, at a point in my life, if they had uh, an epitaph, you know, written on a stone, it, was, it would have been, she went down fighting. <laughs> it sounds funny, but it wasn't. It's nothing to be proud of, but it, that's what it would have been. She went down fighting because I was so angry inside and didn't even recognize it forever mm. that life, I, I had bought into the belief that 
life was supposed to get better if I was better mm. or if I just gave more to God or if I did more to God. You know, the work, somehow I just got caught up in that. And I just couldn't even explain to other people what was going on inside of me that I was just in inner turmoil all the time. And so, by God's grace, he was merciful. And he, when I would cry out, and I finally, he, he told me to, you know, to let go of everything. I, do you remember what I told you yesterday? It was, it was kind of a catchy statement that he said to me. Let go of God. No, but anyway, whatever. But it was just a, a bold reminder that he is all I need, no matter what happens. If I've got him, I've got everything. And whatever he allows, it's okay, because he is God and because he loves me. And I'm not saying I'm perfect, and I'm not saying that I every day is always, you know, top of the mountain. But I never, at this point, have those, you know, tossing to and fro were of unbelief and, and doubt um, like I did for so many years mm. because I've had to learn to depend on him. Right. Not, not just, you know, for salvation, but I've had to depend on him. You know, God, my heart, you know, that's a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, this pain, I can't deal with it. I've had to, I've needed him. Yeah. I've needed him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not making any judgments on anybody else and their sicknesses and issues. This is simply saying, for me, God is real, and he uses these things in my life to make me stronger, to make me see my need for him. You right. know, he's right. created me to glorify him and to bring others into his kingdom. And um, it's amazing how he'll give you those opportunities to share when you're vulnerable, when you admit <laughs> how bad you can be and how much you need him, you know, right. that we're not perfect. We are Christians because of the love of the Father for us. Right. And he wants us. Uh, the scripture, um, 2 Corinthians 1.3, was blessed be the God of Father of comforts, you know, in our tribulations. Then we, in turn, as we are comforted, we can comfort others. And so that's my desire is for people to know that he loves you, he cares about everything that concerns you, and he will carry you through it all. Yeah. In one way, he's helped carry you through this too, everything that you mentioned, but also having such a, a loving husband. I've heard you oh, refer to him so many he, times. I cannot even express how much he loves me and gives of himself sacrificially. Mm -hmm. I thank him all the time. And... You know, he's an example to me. He was my real solid rock of teaching me about no matter what we were going through, he trusted God. I, and I would look at him and go, wow, you know, he doesn't doubt. But his mother taught him when he was little bitty about trusting God. And he never quit. Yeah. He, he never had gone through those stages of wondering, you know, is God real and why is he letting this happen? Guy's never been that kind of person. So he's been a great example to me. Yeah, and praise God for that. Mm -hmm. And Guy, I now want to hear from you. What's the verse that the Lord's used to help you during all this? I don't have one that just jumps out at me, but one of the things that you read in Psalms so many times is this uh, 
Let's see. I think you got it written over. Steadfast love. Yeah. And his, um, there's so many different ways it describes God's love. And so the thing that I get is his sustaining love. No matter where I'm at, no matter what's going on, no matter the moment, I have no doubt his sustaining love is going to be there for me. Uh, I may not know the answers. I want to know the answers. I may, know, I may want to know the outcome. I might be overwhelmed, devastated, um, whether it's with my wife's health, one of my children, if they've been involved in an accident. It's like the Lord was there with me. He's going to see me through it. And that sustaining love, steadfast love, unfailing love is um, just in me. And um, I guess the best way to put it is the Holy Spirit indwells in us, and I rely on him in those moments, trusting him in those moments, whether it's a word, whether it's an action, guy, you need to go do this, I want you to do that, rest in me, whatever it is. And um, that can't be taught. That can only come with relationship with the Lord. That's one of the things I try to do in my home is to let my children, my wife, and I got to remind myself at times, the Holy Spirit is there for you. He's with you to carry you through. Amen. Amen. Oh, gosh, I have so many more questions that I would love to ask. We are almost at an hour and a half in our time, though. So let me do this. Let me just go to each couple now. Is there anything else that you'd like to share that has not been shared yet? Any sort of closing comments that you've got for us that you want us to take away? I just have something here I would like to read. Yeah, please. Absolutely. As I was writing down some things, and these are not my words. These are some things I come across, but I think that um, it puts it in better words than I could put it in. And it just says... um, Suffering will indeed come, but God can give us grace and power to overcome every trial and to fulfill our purpose and mission in his kingdom. And God is simply asking us to submit to him, to come to him, and to stop fighting him. He is helping us remember that we don't have to walk this life alone because he is our father. (coughs) And there is goodness in suffering because it gives us blessings that we can receive no other way. And then it goes on to say... um, that I think one reason that God allows emotional suffering in our lives is because he knows that sometimes there is nothing that will increase our passion to pursue him more than this pain. And when we seek the Lord and find his love and comfort, we experience far more joy and satisfaction in the Lord than the sufferings we endured. And this last says, it may seem impossible for the extreme sadness and grief we face at the loss of a child or any tragedy to ever diminish or decrease. However, The Lord is our hope and our salvation, and he can turn our mourning into comfort. God wants to encourage us and relieve our suffering if we would just go to him at all times. And his word is powerful enough to bring healing and solace even during our darkest hours. Amen. Would you two say that you've definitely seen that? Would you two say that you've seen greater depths of knowledge of God and even greater joy? than you would have seen otherwise. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, I would. Definitely. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Thank you, guys. Posies, 
Anything, any last things that you'd like to say that maybe haven't been said yet that you'd like to leave us with before we finish out? And I will open it up to probably some questions from the audience just at the very end in case there's some itch that really needs to be scratched. So, uh, Over the years, the Lord has been real good um, in our family. When Tina is uh, really down, she referred to it earlier how she'll just be with the Lord and she'll read that verse and there is birthed a song or a poem. And it's like um, over the years, we've adopted them in our uh, praise and worship time at the house. Um, and the kiddos think that, hey, I mean, that's not out there. That's something Mama wrote. I mean, that's how much <laughs> we sang it. So we would like to sing one for you, uh, be a cappella. And so I'm going to let you lead and... Uh, I'll support you in this as much as I can. <laughs> yes, because I'm scared to death. I don't, <laughs> I don't sing for anyone, but the Lord generally speaking. So well, there's no judgment here, sister, because um, we can't sing very well either. Okay. But I'm sure I, you're I way may, better than us. I, I, I'm just going to give it to God and not worry how, what happens, okay? My voice may crack, but that's okay. Sometimes the road is hard to travel and oh so long. I trudge along with a heavy heart, and I've lost my song. Forgetting you are near, I grope around in fear. I stumble and I stray until I've lost my way. Carry me over the cold, dark mountains. Carry me through the storm-tossed seas. Carry me in the lonesome valleys. Abba, Father, carry me. Abba, Father, Abba, Father. Abba, Father, carry me. Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, carry me. I sought you, Lord, you heard my cry from your holy mountain. You cleansed my heart, filled me with joy, and brought peace within. You listen when I pray. You wipe my tears away. You are the living Lord, the one whom I adore. You carry me over the cold, dark mountains. You carry me. Through the storm-tossed seas, you carry me in the lonesome valleys. Abba, Father, you carry me. Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. You 
carry me, Abba Father, Abba Father, Abba Father, you carry me. Amen. Amen. <laughs> and you wrote that. Yeah, yeah. I could tell it was from the heart. Have you guys ever sung that with them in the living room? Yeah. yeah. Definitely a huge blessing, guys. Thank you so much. Well, let me close with prayer then. Father, we've learned a lot tonight. We've got to hear how you have worked in the lives of some of your saints to walk beside them on a path that you led them down. I've been encouraged to hear each one of them say that they knew that this was part of your plan and that they trusted you with the plan and kept walking with you no matter what and even were privileged to walk closer to you on the hard path because we know that you do walk closer to us during these times. You say in your word, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I want to pray that you continue to bless and comfort these families, Lord. They are not through, we hear, we, we've heard already, they are not through with trials, as none of us are. So please continue to help them and bless them through these trials. I want to pray that you would strengthen their marriages within the trials as well. Make their marriages stronger. Continue to protect their marriages. We know that sufferings have a ten tendency to stress that union. And we know that the devil would like nothing more than to see that union break. And so we pray, keep them strong in that union and keep them strong here at our church as well and continue to use them at our church to be a blessing lord i feel that people will will come to them even more often now for wisdom as they themselves as we ourselves go through hard times we will lean on these people that you've given to us here um, for help continue to bless and keep them lord and now i, I want to pray asking that you would bless the meal that we're about to eat together, the, the snacks, rather, that we're about to eat together. We thank you that you've always met our needs. We love you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. 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 Thanks for coming.